The following podcast has been paid for by Perch on the Top Rope. like to send our thoughts and condolences to the friends and family of Scott Hall. We will now play a 10 bell salute in honor of Scott Hall's career. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. It's me, it's me, it's the LWE. And I am joined today by the living legend, the wrestling encyclopedia, Justin Largito. Justin, how you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Oh my God, two shows in as a part of the team and you guys are putting me over hard. <laughs> oh, we generally give everybody a nickname. And that was the nickname Alex gave you because of your plethora of knowledge in professional wrestling. I appreciate it, man. (laughs) Absolutely. I want to start off with something. And it's the Undertaker, who's about to become a WWE Hall of Famer. As we see older generations always talking about what it takes for younger generations to get over, or in this case the direction that younger talents in his eyes are seemingly going for. This is a direct quote from him. He went on a podcast. It was called uh, the true Garordi podcast. I think it's called. Uh, And these are direct quotes from the undertaker. A lot of younger talent. It's that the evolution of that comic book era, the superhero era. And I think it's their motivation. And it's what their inspiration is. And they didn't have to come up and bust heads in bars. We've seen a lot of, I I guess I would say, older generations. Like even Brock Lesnar has brought over what it takes in his eyes for these younger talents needing to get over. And they're not over enough. That's why we keep seeing these part-time legends come back Brock Lesnar I would say is seemingly full-time again for how much we've seen him on TV and everything especially with this the storyline that's going on a lot of fans have had fun with this I know some AEW talents have poked fun at the Undertaker over these comments and I know that the Undertaker has since then defended these comments and has stuck to these comments Justin what are your thoughts on it so with what Taker is saying, and the way I take it is obviously the locker room 
right now today is much different than it was 15, 20 years ago. I don't think there's any disputing that. Not uh, at all. You know, 20 years ago, would you have seen uh, guys with action figures backstage, wrestlers playing video games for YouTube channels? No, I mean, Matt Cardona and I think even Xavier Woods has commented on it before. Uh, you just wouldn't see that. You pretty much get banished from the locker room for stuff like that. We're just in a different age. And, uh, you know, Taker's not wrong about what he said. And you you mentioned the Brock Lesnar comment on the Pat McAfee interview uh, a few weeks ago where he said these guys need to get over. You know, it's kind of hard to get over five days later when you're kicking the shit out of uh, five guys in the Elimination Chamber match and beating them in two minutes. Uh, you know, <laughs> but even Vince, uh, 2014, uh, he was on the Stone Cold podcast on the WB Network. He acknowledged the fact that guys are backstage and they're walking on eggshells. And obviously there is some truth to that. These guys don't want to lose their spot. They don't want to say anything that's going to get them in trouble. Uh, a lot, most of the time, they're just backstage. They hang out if they're needed. They do something. If they're not, they, they just sit there. Well, and you know what? How about this? I'm so glad that you brought up the 2014 interview uh, with Vince and Stone Cold because on that same interview, uh, Vince was asked about Cesaro by Stone Cold. And Vince seemingly said, I don't get it. He'll never be a top guy. We never got Cesaro as a top guy. We did see him main event, a pay-per-view. We seen him wrestle for the world title and things like that. But he never got like that staying on top it was like quick in and out type deal so i'm glad you brought that up because even vince mcmahon himself in that interview is talking about here's a guy who's a younger talent at the time but i'm not putting him over because i don't get why fans will like him so in some sort of way how are you going to get over if the owner of the company doesn't want you to get over you don't exactly yeah i mean unfortunately in today's era in WB, it's a matter of if a certain person likes you, then you're going to get your TV time. You're going to get over. You're going to get opportunities. But if they're not a fan of you, if they don't get it, then you may be in the background for the most part. And, you know, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but possibly released uh, very soon after, as we've seen over the last year or two. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I when it comes to the undertaker's comments that they're in the superhero era, go back and look at a lot of wrestling pay-per-views. You have a lot of wrestlers designing their ring gear like superheroes. Oh yeah. <laughs> we've seen, we've seen uh, Seth Rollins do the Thanos. We've seen Roman Reigns seemingly do the Thanos when he came out with a gold glove instead. Johnny Gargano has done Wolverine, Austin Theory, Iron Man. We've also seen, I believe, Johnny Gargano do Iron Man. Hell, you want to talk about legends, as we are with these comments from The Undertaker, Rob Van Dam is known for specialty type gear. And in TNA Impact, he did the Iron Man suit with yes. singlet. You know, so we do see a lot of wrestlers going in that route of the superheroes, Thunder Rosa, 
as uh, Wolverine's clone in AEW, Jade Cargill with Mortal Kombat. A lot of these wrestlers, when they design their specialty gear now for certain events, they're 100% crossing over to the superhero comic book era. And to be honest, The Undertaker's not wrong, in my opinion. He's 100% spot on. The locker rooms are different. And one thing that also brings up about this is Kevin Nash has talked about the differences in the locker room. He's back in his day. He said, we're looking for wine. We're looking for drugs in the locker room. And he goes, and you go back there now, they're all playing video games and sitting on their phones, you know? So it it is a different era. I, I wonder what it was like for, you know, guys, you know, that were legends in the eighties, seeing these newcomers come up and how they were acting. And the locker room was different. So you're always going to have different eras, but the video games and the comic books with the locker room seemingly aren't going away anytime soon. And, you know, a lot of these wrestlers nowadays, like if they go to a bar and bust heads and this and that, they're going to get in trouble. It's not like yesteryear WWF, you know, where you had the wrestling court with the undertaker, this or that with the locker room leaders, Uh, Vince McMahon is older, so his partying days himself are are seemingly done. You've got more management, more other people in control of the company. Now, like Vince McMahon said in 2014, now in 2022, yeah, you've got you're you're seemingly always walking on eggshells. And, And in professional wrestling, it's always been something that's dealt with. We can be friends, acquaintances, whatever but I'm waiting for you to mess up because I want your spot. Yep. You know, absolutely. That's just the way I see it. Um, I agree with the undertaker. You're not going to convince me otherwise. I wholeheartedly agree too. You know, so these younger generation of wrestlers can make fun of him, this and that for starters, I'd never make fun of the undertaker. I don't care how old he is. <laughs> you know, it's one of those, you respect your peers. Yeah. But as younger generations go on, I see that they don't. You know, yeah. it, it's my opinion and that's it. Or as I like to say, I'm not going to listen to you, but you're going to learn from me. Yeah. And even with the evidence that you kind of uh, produced, Lee, I mean, these guys do take inspiration from superheroes and comic books and video games to make gear today. So, I mean, I don't know how there's any disputing what The Undertaker is saying uh, in regards to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how anyone can rebuttal that. Yeah. You know, you have Xavier Woods with Up, Up, Down, Down. And, you know, I haven't watched since a lot of the people that were part of his show ended up getting released. But he's a huge gamer. A lot of a lot of these guys are gamers. They all hang around each other and play, you know, play games and stuff like that. This. That's the new cool thing to do in the locker room instead of, I don't know, snorting Percocets, Kurt. Sorry. Yeah. You know, it's a different and generation. You know, WB, it, it's not, WB, it's not like they don't cash in on any of this, too. I mean, they make these uh, action figures from Mattel. They produce uh, Up, Up, Down, Down, the YouTube channel. They sell merchandise for Up, Up, Down, Down. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not... WB's cashing in on it as well. It's not just these guys just going back there doing what they're doing. 
yeah, at that point, it's seemingly it's like it's part of them to do this for WWE. So all in all, when it comes to this, I'm siding with The Undertaker. You can't really prove me otherwise that I'm that he's wrong. No, absolutely not. So, you know, while we're talking about like podcasts and shows and stuff like that, obviously, we know Vince McMahon went on the Pat McAfee show like we had just talked about earlier with Brock Lesnar being on there with quotes from him. I picked up on something. I went back and rewatched it because he, he had some quotes that I, I really liked, especially about being an asshole. People thinking you're an asshole, not being able to change their minds and opinions and stuff like that. And it was at that point I realized, because I'm watching Vince McMahon and, and he moves his hands around a lot in the interview. Vince wasn't wearing a wedding ring. And as far as I know, Vince has only been married once from what I can find on the internet. During the same interview on the Pat McAfee show, Vince says something about, uh, you know, former wife or something along those lines and like kind of grabs at his ring finger. And I, I caught on to this. So my real question is, is Vince and Linda still married? He didn't have his wedding ring on and he referred to her seemingly as his former wife, but never directly addressed Linda McMahon as the former wife. Again, I could just be reading into something, but I'm questioning if they're still married. They, yeah. they seemingly uh, haven't, you know, nothing like really a lot in public photo wise. I know that she was all about her political career and everything, but I haven't, I haven't the slightest, to be honest with you. It's something I'm speculating on because of what I saw. That You watched the interview, correct? Uh, I didn't watch the full thing beginning to end, but I have seen parts of it. Uh, what you, this, because this was interesting, what you pointed out, because I, I didn't uh, listen to this part. Uh, it is something to question uh, with what you're saying. The language that Vince used was definitely very interesting. Yeah, uh, it was very bad at the time. Uh, personally, I haven't paid attention. I don't know if Vince has ever worn a, we a wedding ring. I don't know if, if you've seen that prior. Uh, but I definitely, I can say I haven't seen photos of them together, at least in a few years. Probably 2018, 2019 would probably be the earliest. Yeah, probably in the White House with Trump. Uh, that's that's the one I'm thinking of. Actually. Yeah, yeah, same. That's like the only thing I've seen. I, I know that they, you know, live a moderately private life, but it's just something that I'm curious about now because we have the. I did post photos and I did talk about this on our Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Perched on the Top Rope. Scroll for it. There's a couple photos on there that I posted from the interview where you can clearly see that Vince McMahon is not wearing a wedding ring. Now you brought up, I, I have you ever seen him wear a wedding ring? And the, and the answer is I haven't, but I've also never looked until now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he has, he has worn wedding. He has, I've, there's photos of him where you look and he's got 
a band on the finger. Yeah. Not not now. I, I don't know if it's a separation, if they're fully divorced. Maybe I'm reading into things like we read into Jeff Hardy and Sting on AEW. Check that out, AEW Dynamite Discussion, episode 74. Apple Podcast. But I, I have not that interview, he did not have one on. Yeah, he definitely didn't have one on. Um, uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely something to pay attention to, honestly. Yeah. Uh, because no one's no one's acknowledged it either. Like Pat McAfee didn't kind of seem off about it or anything. But you know, yeah, I mean it was. Honestly, like I said, it was just something I happened to notice. And I sat back while watching the interview again. Noticed there was no wedding ring. And then I noticed the language that he used when like referring to his wife. It was former wife, you know, someone I was married to, this and that. He married Linda in 1966. Before then, I don't think he was married before that. Yeah, unless there's something we don't know about, but yeah. obviously that's not confirmed. Yeah, but um, you know, we'll move on from that. That's something like very hard to transition from, you know, because you know it's speculation. But it was just something I noticed. He yeah. he didn't have a wedding ring on, and the language he used would tell me that they're not together anymore. But. I guess time will tell if we even find anything out on it, to be honest with you. But I want to move on to like one particular part. Justin, how do you feel about the term Mark? Uh, I can see how it's, uh, how it's looked down upon, which is what we're going to get into. Yeah. Uh, I kind of agree with what was said about it uh it's a way of looking down on certain fans uh but you know i i don't really like me and you i say we joke about it oh you're a mark you're this you're that yeah but i don't really take it seriously and i don't think you take it seriously either i don't oh i don't i don't take it serious at all but but that's because we're friends yeah to me it is what it is but yeah you know if if um someone i didn't know called me a mark i would probably say you should look me up i i'm i'm not a mark i've written for dirt sheets for five years finishing mr hughes's autobiography for him as a ghostwriter i've been on pro wrestlers podcasts like terry runnels i've been on glaciers podcast so if a stranger called me a mark i'd 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 say something i'd i'd chirp back you and I, with our regular banter, yeah. you know, nah, I, I don't get offended when you and I do it. But if a stranger did it, yeah, I might be like, hey, Mecca Lekka high, Mecca Lekka, go fuck yourself. You know? <laughs> you know, yeah. Personally, if a stranger calls me a mark, I kind of roll my eyes at it because usually if they're calling you a mark, they're probably a mark themselves. Yeah. How I look at it. You know, like I know, I know uh, Cardona uses the term a lot. And, and and it's fine. He he to me he does it in a funny manner. Like when yeah. I met him at like when I met him at the big event, prime example. Uh I'm the five and up snob when it comes to the Hasbro series one. I know that people know that. 
look at the the era Facebook group. I'm known for being the five and up guy. That's uh, that was my big thing. It's still my big thing. It's always going to be my big thing. You know, like right now I'm collecting the five and up dual language cards, which if I thought finding the American series one five and up cards was hard, this has been, this has been hell. Someone's got a macho man, Randy Savage, five and up dual language card. Won't sell it. No matter how much I offer, I'm at a thousand dollars right now. Won't, won't, won't take it. And it's what it's worth. So, but we were, um, it was funny cause we were talking and I, I had told him stuff like that. And some guy comes up and was like, Oh, my uncle has the Greg Valentine with the rhythm and blues. And he's got this figure and that figure. And Matt and I looked at each other and, you know, big shit grin on each other's faces. And he's like, yo, photos guy gets on his phone acting like he's, you know, he's got photos and this and that. And then he's like, Oh, oh, oh I must not have him. And Cardona was like, you fucking Mark. <laughs> you know, it was great. It was a good time. But, um, where I was going with the Mark comments was William Regal. He's not big on, you know, he, he has Twitter, but you know, the world of social media and stuff like that, he, he stays away from the, the dramatics and the drama. William Regal does not like the term Mark. And these are quotes from him. I've never, ever used the term Mark. I hate that term. I think it's nasty, horrible, derogatory term to call somebody who is willing to give you their time. Now, those he's referring to are the fans, us fans. Yes. You know, we do, you know, uh, uh, we're big wrestling fans. There's no denying that. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so, and that's why I said, like, we call each other marks because it's funny. A stranger does it to me. I'm I'm not going to laugh because it's not funny. You know, it's just at that point, it's okay. Maybe you don't know, not to like be an egotistical dick, but maybe you don't know who I've interviewed. Maybe you don't know what I've done in this business, which realistically isn't much compared to guys who are, you know, running Fightful like Sean Ross Sapp or Nick Hossman at Wrestling Inc. I'm just Lee Walker, former dirt sheet writer of Ringside News sports kita for a few years that was where i did most of it i've written for uh daily ddt the sportster the richest you know bodybuilding.com even so i have written outside of the realm of wrestling but from the aspect of you and i i i i don't pay much attention to it Knowing that William Regal said these quotes, it's a different story. He's one of the most respected men in the industry. There's no denying that. Absolutely. And if I was a younger generation wrestler, I would listen to William Regal because he's one of the smartest men in the business. So on yeah. the side of us joking, I have no problem with the term. Outside of that, like with a stranger, yeah, I kind of do. I mean, that's just where I am with it. It's William Regal. Yeah. I respect the hell out of him. 
I've never like outside of joking, I've never used the term Mark itself to anybody. I've only used it like with you and I joking or like Tim, things like that, Alex even. But I, I, I don't call strangers Marks. I got a lot worse that I can call them. So I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's what I've got when, when it comes to William Regal. I respect the man. And again, I, it's a term that, you know, looking and reading the comments that he made about the term, I would never call a stranger that. And I don't think it's because of out of respect. It's out of respect for William Regal at this point. But for respect for them, absolutely not. I'll just, there's a lot worse words I could use, you know, and I would stick to that. And I'm sounding like an asshole at this point, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> um, Justin, we are going to do one thing, though, that we very, very rarely do on this show. And we're going to talk about some MMA. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is perched on the top rope, but uh, right now we're going to be perched on the octagon. We got a couple of big arrests from some UFC fighters. Jorge Macedel has been arrested on felony battery. Uh, This comes down in Miami Beach. Now we just saw Jorge fight Kobe. Covington this past Saturday. Apparently Kobe had said some words about Masvidal's kids. And apparently words were exchanged. And the reason why this is a felony battery is because during the scuffle, Kobe was wearing a $90,000 Rolex and apparently uh, Masvidal caused $15,000 damage to the watch I don't even have a watch that's $100 I don't think yeah seriously <laughs> I didn't even like my dad has a Rolex but like he never wears it so long story short um, Kobe made some comments about his kids And apparently there were some messages that had gone on between the two uh, to where they knew they were going to fight. There's a term uh, that apparently in street fights and street beef or whatever that's used. I don't know it. I don't remember it. I did read it, though. And uh, so Kobe knew the fight was coming, apparently. Uh, This did not obviously go well for really either party because if you know Khabib Khabib doesn't talk about other fighters you know he's not one for the banter the trash talking this or that he's gone on record telling other UFC fighters not to support Kobe Covington anymore over this and it has to do with the fact that Kobe talked about Masvidal's kids Saying, you know, that's something you don't do. And I've always been like someone who's, you know, when it comes to like the UFC, a lot of these fighters before their fights, you know, just like we get in wrestling with promos, they talk shit. But it's not scripted. They say whatever they want. So when it comes to the UFC, 
in these fights, I got to agree that you should not talk about family members. You shouldn't talk about kids or wives, things like that. But this stuff happens all the time. Masvidal obviously took it very serious as he should. By the way, he lost the fight on Saturday. He didn't win. But that's besides the point. Um, Justin, if you were put in this situation, you know, someone talking shit about your kid, someone you just had a fight in the octagon with on Saturday, but still talking shit, what would you do? Uh, it depends. How big is he? <laughs> 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 well, I mean, they're in the same weight class, so. Okay, fair, fair. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not too familiar with uh, Ms. Vidal. Uh, I remember his appearances on AEW a few months ago with American Top Team. Uh, I'm not too familiar with his background, so I don't know if he's had any prior legal troubles. Uh, but, you know, we saw a situation like this similar. Maybe not as high of a degree, obviously, but the Cain Velasquez stuff a few weeks ago. Uh, very, very similar, except in this case, there was no weapon involved or nothing as serious. It sounds like it was more words exchanged than anything. Uh, but you know, if I was in Georgia's shoes, I'd probably do the same thing. I'm not going to lie. All right. Uh, fans, for those of you who don't know what Justin was talking about, we've actually talked about this on another show. Uh, Kane Velasquez, as we know, Wrestled in AAA, former UFC heavyweight, fought Brock Lesnar in the octagon and won. Wrestled Brock Lesnar in WWE. Got beat in 90 seconds. Yeah, very sad, <laughs> honestly, but it is what it is. So what happened was uh, a family member of Cain Velasquez was molested and Velasquez chased the guy down high-speed chase shot the vehicle and is now in jail right now awaiting uh arraignment and trial and all that stuff uh seemingly for attempted murder yeah uh just like Masvidal with Kobe and Kobe talking shit about Masvidal's children this is a bigger situation because now you're talking about your kid, you know, a family member of yours being molested by somebody. And Cain Velasquez found out who it was. And I would tell you what, Cain Velasquez is scary with gloves on. I wouldn't want that man chasing me down with a gun in his hand. No, absolutely not. So uh, we have seen also on AEW free Kane signs. And I agree. Free Kane. Fuck child molesters. Yep. So anyway, that was that. Um, but we have one more arrest to talk about also. This is a, a, a pretty big problem with UFC fighters and, and the law, apparently. <laughs> Yet again, Conor McGregor is arrested. Shocker. Yep. That's uh, this actually happened in West Dublin. He had his beautiful Bentley out and apparently was driving extremely erratic. The cop seized his Bentley and because of his driving, he was arrested. You know, this reminds me of uh, someone else who's been arrested over traffic violations and things like that. 
John Bones Jones. Yeah. I mean, I don't really like talking shit about people who get arrested, to be honest, but there seems to be something with UFC fighters and attitudes. And I don't just mean like attitudes, maybe I, I, egos. You know, when you get famous, this stuff happens. So these arrests, I think that the UFC, these guys are all under contract. I think that they need to crack down on the UFC fighters with their troubles. WWE, if you get like in big trouble, you get released. Yeah. Unless you're an Uso. (laughs) It depends on who you are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Unless you're an Uso, apparently. But, um, they've never like cracked down on UFC fighters for getting arrested and things like that. And I think it's about time that maybe something happens. Yeah. Uh, obviously the UFC locker room is a night and day compared to the WB locker room, as we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It seems like the only uh, undefeated fighter in the octagon is the law for these uh, (laughs) UFC fighters because it's just knockout after knockout. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they've never heard the song. I fought the law and the law won. I oh, fought the law and the law won. Dude, as you were talking, that's all I was thinking about in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, seriously, like, you know, WWE cracks down on it. You know, three violations, you're gone type deal. Three strike rule. Uh, it's just my opinion. I think the UFC really, really needs to like crack down on stuff like this. But you never see it. You never see them suspend the fighters for things like this. I mean, Conor McGregor, when he attacked, you remember when he attacked the tour bus? Yeah. You know, yeah. there was there was repercussions to all that, but like it's like a catch 22. It's like if Roman Reigns got arrested tomorrow, are we still going to see him at WrestleMania? You, you know, we are. Yeah. It'd be like if Conor McGregor got arrested before a fight, is he going to fight? You know, they're not going to, you know, they're going to allow it, you know? Yeah. I, I guess it's all on who you are. If you're, you're one of the top guys, you can get arrested and it's okay. My opinion though, for things like that, you're supposed to lead by example. So if you're a top dog in the company, stuff like that shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's all I had for UFC. Like I said, we very rarely talk about the UFC, MMA. I have some MMA background myself. So I wanted to start implementing a little bit of it in. And what a better way to introduce some UFC than talking about three of the top fighters and them all getting arrested. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but what to you? What you said, uh, Lee? Uh, UFC should look into implementing some kind of policy uh, because it looks like this just keeps happening way too often. With seems to be the same guys like McGregor and John Jones. Yeah. Uh, so, you yeah. know, if I were them, I'd look into something and try and get something settled. Yeah, you know, they. It, it's definitely something that needs to happen. One hundred percent. You know, and speaking of the law, we're going to go back to wrestling because a couple nights ago, a former WWE 
I shouldn't say former WWE Hall. There's no such thing as a former WWE Hall of Famer unless you're Sonny who tries to pawn the ring. And a Four Horsemen member whose name is John Morrison. You might know him as J.J. Dillon. He took the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, to the new show, Judge Steve Harvey. Now, a lot of wrestling fans didn't know this was on. Everybody seemingly found out after it had aired. If you want to watch it, though, you can go to youtube.com slash perched on the top rope, and it's there. So the background story I actually got uh, from Dave Penzer on Facebook. This is something that happened five years ago. And uh, apparently the deal was made at a, at a Comic-Con or autograph convention or something. J.J. Dillon helped Kevin Sullivan with a boat, pay for a boat for a loan or something like that. And uh, five years later, here we are. There was a really, really funny quote by Kevin Sullivan as he defined the term whenever in the dictionary. Because apparently J.J. Dillon said, pay me back whenever. So Kevin Sullivan used in his defense the term whenever. I mean, I know it's not a real court show, but does the term whenever, if that's your defense, ladies and gentlemen, you know the outcome, but it's hilarious. So go to youtube.com slash perch on the top rope and watch it. Have you seen it? Uh, I did see some of it. It, it. Man, it was the weirdest thing when it popped up into my Facebook timeline a few days ago and. I thought it was fake for a minute when I first saw it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I watched a little bit of it. I was half-heartedly expecting, you know, right before the verdict was given for uh, Rampage Mark Henry box to open up at the bottom and hear, <laughs> well, I think there's been enough talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the main event. <laughs> I've seen that one. Oh, it was great. <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was fake too at first. Um, and I found the footage and I was like, oh, holy crap. This is real. Yeah. It was entertaining though. Uh, it's not the first time wrestlers have been on uh, a court show. As I have also found out that it was a uh, former manager of Sabu and Rob Van Dam and former WWF referee, Bill Alfonso, and I believe it was either Beulah McGillicuddy or it was Francine that were on, or Missy Hyatt. It was one of those three on a courtroom talk show in the 90s, and they actually got thrown out. They were both thrown out. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now I got to look that up because like people were commenting on it on our Facebook and Instagram that this isn't the first time that wrestlers have been on a TV courtroom show. And I was I, like, it piqued my interest and I just sat there and I was like, wow, I got to go watch that one now. Cause if they got thrown out, it's gotta be good. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, especially considering if it's the nineties, you know, it had something to do. It was, you know, ECW type deal. So you know that they were wild and out of control. 
you know, I may have to go watch it too because now I'm curious. Was uh, Bill Alfonso blowing that whistle crazy as he was being escorted out? Oh, God. I <laughs> could you imagine? Like, <laughs> I'm picturing it in my head. <laughs> I mean, I'm now, now that you say it, like, I'm trying to think of like wild people that I'd want to see in court, and Coco Beware is definitely one of them. Can you imagine? Hi! <laughs> <laughs> oh god and i'm glad you brought that up because uh now i get what you and john say because he woke me up at work last night <laughs> <laughs> i just had 1990 super, 1992 superstars playing and all of a sudden i hear Hi, <laughs> <laughs> so everyone listening at home the background of that is um our friend john had fallen asleep to, to wrestling Coco beware when he was teaming with Owen Hart as high energy would literally belt high. He would scream it like at the top of his lungs. So we all made fun of him, blah, blah, blah. And then it was my turn at three in the morning. I get woken up. I'd fallen asleep with the TV on WWF superstars or something was playing. And all of a sudden, there was a promo going on and all of a sudden I get, I hear, and I jump up and I got fists in the air. Like I'm about like, people are in my house about to rob me and I'm like ready to go. And I look at the TV and there's Owen Hart in Coco beware. And I just looked and I shook my head, put my hands down. And I go, now I understand. (laughs) Yep. Well, uh, I was next on that list. I was just dozing off for uh, while I was on my break watching superstars. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it was terrible to be honest with you. But um, yeah, that 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 sucked. That that <laughs> really 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 sucked. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> back to Kevin Sullivan and uh, JJ Dillon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotta get off that high energy train because now I'm gonna ride it all night and I'm. Not gonna go to bed till 3 a.m. now. Thanks, Coco Beware. Thank you. I mean, it was entertaining. I don't want to spoil who wins the court case. So go to youtube.com slash perched on top rope and find out who wins. So we're gonna go to the courtroom to the bedroom. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to my bedroom. We're not going to Justin's bedroom. I'm talking only fans. Justin, it's getting a little hot in here, don't you think? Oh, it is. <laughs> Apparently, OnlyFans and female wrestlers is a really popular thing. Selena De La Renta has one with Alicia Atut. But it's not about them today. Sorry, ladies. It's about Tony Storm. Tony Storm has created a OnlyFans account. I did go and check it at the time. There were two written posts and a photo. Obviously I couldn't see the photo because I'm not a simp and I'm not going to pay for $20 to see Tony storm in a bikini. Justin scratching his head. Like he's paid and thinks it's more in a bikini. Justin, are you on her only fans? No. Are you lying? Anyway. Yes. 
Justin, spill the beans. I know oh. you're just as big a Tony Storm fan as I am, but I'm not willing to pay. Apparently, you are. What's on there? Look, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> uh, last time I looked, there were uh, four photos, all for the most part lingerie. Uh, there are also uh, pay-per-views, as you would, as they're called on OnlyFans. Uh, I noticed they were fifteen dollars each, and they were about twenty-five seconds each because it shows you how long they are. And I was like, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> But but you know what? Good for Tony Storm. You know she's gonna she's gonna make her money on this. And <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I would say really good for Tony Storm because apparently it's been calculated. The first day she made like ten thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think she's definitely over twenty grand right now. <laughs> Onlyfans.com slash drizzle my wood. That's my OnlyFans. There's nothing on there. <laughs> There's nothing on mine. I did it as a joke, honestly. Um, I, I do like a lot of woodwork. You know, if you've seen my bar, if you've watched uh, the era in your house on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash perched on the top rope, I do a pretty big tour of my wrestling collection. I'm actually going to be updating that video soon because there's a lot more pieces. And the running joke is because like I do a lot of woodwork. I do like a lot of neat pallet wood walls and and I did a pallet wall bookcase, like an in-wall one. And the running joke I always do is like when I get these pieces, I put on Snapchat, this and that, onlyfans.com slash drizzle my wood. Because it's woodworking, but it's a joke. And then one day my wise ass brother-in-law was like, uh, hey, there's nothing there. And I was like, dude, it's a fucking joke. Are you serious? Like, you actually went and looked. First off, you're my brother-in-law. Why would you go look for that? <laughs> number one. And number two, I was like, the fuck? So because he did that, I had to go make one because he posted a photo on Facebook that, hey, it's not there. And I was like, shit, God damn it! Why would you do that? Like, why do you got to ruin a good joke? Anyway, she's got an OnlyFans. She's making a lot of money. But someone else... Is coming out with an OnlyFans, Justin. I will not be subscribing. It is a, another former WWE superstar, Nia Jax. I mean, that's not her name anymore. I'm not going to use her real name, but I'll just refer to Nia Jax because that's how we know her in the wrestling world. Yeah, she's not like most girls, you know. <laughs> no. As we know, she was a BBW lingerie model and a model and things like that and apparently she's going back to modeling and she's going to start an OnlyFans. i for one have never subscribed to anyone's only fan to be honest even though i jokingly made one for myself i know what pornhub is or maybe x videos sorry justin i'm gonna make fun of you on this one <laughs> That shit's free. And again, I also don't have a girlfriend right now, so it is what it is. <laughs> no, I always, you know, 
the only fans and stuff like it's great for these wrestlers you know they they get released from a company after making big six six figure deals and shit like that now you're going to the indies and potentially making like what a couple grand a weekend if you think about it not working during the week if you're not working during the week you got to do something you know now you just lost a bunch of money you have to adjust your living this and that we've seen matt cardona do phenomenal with all of this he created a whole freaking action figure company from his podcast oh yeah you know he's he's doing really really well and he's been able to be one to i would say maintain what he was making in wwe oh definitely absolutely uh, you know, i mean for, that podcast generates enough money as it is when you think about it oh yeah you know so like i would say yeah he's done he's been one of the ones he could be making more than what he was making in wwe we don't know like we don't know what he's got invested in in other things outside of wrestling or in wrestling yeah. um you know but the the females in wrestling and aj lee has pointed this out they make less they get less tv time so when you go from a company like wwe where you're making that good good money and now you if you're like tony storm just quit and don't even tell your friends hey see you later you got to make that money up somehow if I look good in lingerie and could make 20 grand, trust me, I'd be on there too. But I don't look good in lingerie. And uh, I wouldn't bring in 20 grand. So there's that. I'm also a dude. So, like, that probably doesn't help. Only fans we know women do really, really well. Anyone remember Face Fuck Me Finn? Felicia Rose? Oh, yes. She's a personal friend of mine. She's making a killing on there. A killing on OnlyFans. That's like she went from working a regular nine to five job and now she just does OnlyFans. She's making more from OnlyFans than she did her nine to five. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Can you imagine making $20 or $20, uh, 20K in one day just, you know, taking pictures? <laughs> I take pictures all the time. Like, what the fuck? I mean, they're not of me. It's my cats. <laughs> Shit like, you know, and, and stuff I'm interested in. I ain't bringing no 20 grand. Yeah. Good for her, though. Uh, like, big question is, how long do you think it'll take to uh, match this OnlyFans money with, let's say, her base WWE contract salary? Because I don't know how much Tony Storm was making in WWE on average. I don't either. I, I have to assume everybody makes six figures at this point in the game. Because yeah. um, if I remember correctly, Matt Cardona, maybe it was like 2014, 2015, 16. He was at like half a million. That's what he was making. Yeah. So I don't know what he was making when he was all said and done. But I know he was up there because he had been there since what, 07, 06, 07? No, 07. Uh, 07, 06 and developmental. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, because they were at Deep South, I believe he was. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, that sounds about right. 
Um, but yeah, no, I would, they got to make up the money somehow. Like I said, you know, and, and as fans, we've, we've seen it where a lot of these wrestlers now, because of where they've been, ask more per appearance fee. Thus the indie companies charge the fans more. You and I know because we go to conventions a lot and we go to wrestling yep. shows together. Yep. We've seen the wrestlers at the tables at shows charging more for meet and greets. If you're certain promoters, you don't do a combo. You only do, it's this for a photo, it's this for an auto. There's no combo. Yeah, we've seen that a lot. (laughs) Unfortunately. And us as perched on the top rope, we're promoters. We brought in Killer Cross and Scarlet. It was their first appearance together at Baltimore Celeb Fest 3. We had the inspiration when they had just won the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championships. We had them at the big event. We had them at Legends, Showcase of Legends. And we've had Ultimo Dragon and Sonny Ono at Showcase of Legends also. We did combos on everybody type deal. We had VIP stuff, all that. I'm not a fan of not doing a combo. I don't like that. Yeah, no. You know, I don't, you know, but then again, I don't know how much like fans know as promoters, we have to fly them in. We have to pay for their flights. We yeah. To pay for hotel rooms. So it's more than just this or that. And on top of that, we got to pay the wrestlers a fee for their appearance. Yeah. So that all adds up. You know, so when someone comes up and says, you know, can I get this? Can I get that? And, you know, like they want it for a lesser price. They want it for free. It's like, hey, look, this is what it costs me to bring them in. First, I need to make this up. And then I break even. And right there, depending on who you have, before they sign their first autograph, you're six, seven thousand dollars in the hole on them. Again, it all depends on the talent. And the, you heard the talents that we, we've had and, and listed yeah. off. Yeah. They're not cheap. I'm not bringing in Randy Hogan or Barry Horowitz. <laughs> Nothing against them. We've interviewed Randy Hogan. He's a phenomenal guy. You know, we brought in people that are former, former superstars, people that draw. They tend to be more expensive. And that's where I've seen combos go up because they're charging more for their appearance fee. So it comes back to everybody else having to make that up type deal. As a promoter, we have to pay more. So as fans, you have to pay more. I'm a fan who still goes to promoters tables and pays for the autographs. I'm not like one of those guys to be like, oh, can I get a photo in, in an auto? Uh, you know, I've done, I've done stuff with other promoters example uh a friend who's a promoter needed inspiration in in his books his encyclopedias he got them in exchange when i went to go meet aj lee at the big event he was what are you doing i go, I just want to get my figure signed all right here you go we didn't charge each other i'm cool with that 
you know, there, there's certain things I'm cool with, certain things I'm not cool with, but like as a fan, if you're coming up to the table, just try and get something free. Like I've seen guys wearing their military uniforms or cop uniforms and stuff like that. And, and Hey, I'm glad what you did for our, for our country or the services that you provide. That's great. But at the end of the day, like me giving you something free is taking out of my pocket also. Like I can't have that happen. Yeah. You know, so the fact that they're doing OnlyFans, I'm not bothered by it at all. But I'm also not going to pay. No offense, Justin. (laughs) I was curious. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, we all get a little curious sometimes, but. uh, Man, for twenty dollars, I'm not paying for lingerie photos. I'm sorry. I just I can't. (laughs) I can't, I, I, I can't, man. Not, not when I know that there's other things that I can watch for free out there. But it is what it is. I don't want to sound like a pervert, so we're just going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, it's probably already too late to not sound like a pervert at this point. Oh, but we're, we're, too, we're too deep in the hole. We're Damn far- it, I did it again! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yo, we're too far gone. We're too far gone. Okay. <laughs> We're going to go from one extreme to the next. I'm not saying that those girls are desperate to make money and starting an OnlyFans, but now we're going to go to somebody who complained on the internet and they probably shouldn't have. I don't know, fans, how much you follow Twitter, but Eric Bischoff took a first-class flight. I don't know where he just... It's just what he posted, and he tagged Delta in it, complaining about his first-class meal. It was a cheeseburger. I won't lie, it did not really look appeasing. And, and he tagged Delta, the airline that he, that he rode with, in this as well. So this brought out a lot of fans trolling him saying things like you know there's a pandemic going on or must be nice to fly first class you you know another one was you know there's a war going on there's a pandemic and then there were some that like posted photos of their first class meals and were like oh this is what i had last month it was great another one was like yo this is exact meal i had blah 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 In a time like this, I don't think it's, I wouldn't say appropriate, not appropriate to be posting stuff like that, being like, oh, I'm in first class, my meal sucks. Most of us are pissed off that, at least in the state of New York, where I am, gas is $4.30. You go out to California, you're looking at prices of like $6.30. I'm getting ready to get a goddamn huffy and start pedaling to work. And this man's not bragging, but mad about his first class meal being crappy because I believe it was first class has gone downhill as part of the tweet. Wrong time to be complaining about stuff like that. Wrong time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know how you can complain about a first class meal. I mean, I would love to be sitting in first class next week when I fly to Dallas uh, instead of just sitting uh, coach and having little Tommy uh, snot and all uh, kicking my seat and uh, <laughs> sleepy Mike snoring in the corner over there. And, you know, <laughs> I think uh, I think Bischoff has uh, bigger things to worry about than what he's eating on a plane. <laughs> yeah. So it's to me like this complaint was beyond the I'm in first class, blah, blah, blah. I see wrestlers do this a lot, like with their flights, if things go wrong, they tag the companies and and it's not just the wrestlers. It seems like all of America forgot what the fuck customer service is like the phone number. Yeah. Everyone wants to go right to like Twitter, social media and bash the company without resolving things first. And this, like, that's why I brought this up because it actually kind of bothers me when people do things like this. I'd actually wrote something down on this you know when it comes to people they ridicule companies on social media while only explaining a small part of what happened it's like we don't know the full story we don't know if you know maybe there was a shortage of workers on the delta flight it it could be anything it could just be okay yeah you got a bad burger sorry go to customer service first don't why are you going to social media to bash the company without trying to resolve any issues in my eyes it just makes you look bad overall and i've seen a lot of people do it the only time i've done it and it was actually with 2k by the way and we're going to talk about 2k in a second but i was having issues with 2k22 when i first got it and of course you know got you got it early everything like that my my issues weren't with the downloads because a lot of people didn't wait for it to fully download the game for whatever reason, like wasn't working. It downloaded and I knew it was fully downloaded, but like it wouldn't open. So I had to go to them and then uh, nothing got resolved. And finally I tweeted out of anger, pissed off after the terrible interaction I had, it got resolved, but it was like after the fact that I had already tried to deal with them about it and it wasn't getting resolved. And I was like, yo, this is bullshit. And then it got fixed. Do the proper fucking thing first, people. Go to customer service. There's emails. There's phone numbers. You had a bad meal on a first-class flight that chances are someone else paid for because you were flown in somewhere to do something. I'm sorry, but that's how I see it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, depending on whether it's you know wrestlers, celebrities, it feels like... Uh feels like in a way they kind of, I don't want to say use their fan base to kind of gain traction in regards to stuff like that. But, you know, it definitely creates a conversation when uh, this person with thousands to a million followers are posting this and, you know, it just kind of explodes from there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, my example was, you know, with 2K, but I went the proper route first. You know, they've got customer service. You can chat with live representatives and and then, you know, the emailing and everything. And I went the email route. I I obviously shouldn't have. And then I got frustrated because they weren't giving me the answers I wanted. And I was like, yo, 2K, suck it. (laughs) 
and then it worked and the game is phenomenal by the way i'm just gonna throw that out there if you want to know how it was if you really want to know how wwe 2k was ladies and gentlemen since you're listening to this podcast go to episode hold on i'll tell you in a second i think it's 73 it is 73 the wwe 2k review by justin and alex you can listen that you can listen to that anywhere podcasts are found apple google spotify amazon stitcher like i said anywhere you can listen to a podcast go listen to episode 73 so you can hear just how great of a game wwe 2k22 is and i think wwe took notice of that too of how good the game is the game has gotten extremely good reviews not only has it gotten good reviews but before the game came out apparently wwe had some concerns and went to ea in case this game was a flop well this game was not a flop and apparently as of today representatives of 2k met with wwe stephanie mcmahon and the wwe 2k franchise is going to continue wwe to um, you know the 2k series they had tweeted the photo out with stephanie uh, looking forward to making more games in the future so obviously they extended a contract with the, with wwe and 2k nothing is known as far as i know about how long or how many more games are going to do or anything new that's going to come out you know we know we got a bunch of great dlc coming for the game itself for 2k22 i'm for one happy that this relationship is going to continue i know 2k20 was a bust but what we got for 2k22 i would say made up for it mm-hmm So I'm a little shocked that when I posted on our social media, Instagram and Facebook, it was met more with, I'd rather have EA make the game, which shocked me because the last time electronic arts had anything to do with pro wrestling, it was in 99, 2000 and would have been 2001, but the company didn't make it. I'm, of course, referring to WCW. They had made some Nintendo 64 and PlayStation games. WCW Backstage Brawl, WCW Mayhem. The graphics sucked. Everyone had arms like T-Rexes. Like, their arms were out (laughs) like this, and their hands were out. Seriously, like, you go look at the images, like, Disco Inferno is like this. You know, they all got, like, the Michael Jackson... Um, nightmare song going from uh, the like cinematic thing he had done. Oh yeah, thriller. You know, yeah. Their hands were like that. <laughs> it's the zombies and stuff. Yeah, I remember playing. Uh, I remember playing WCW Mayhem for, I believe it was PlayStation uh, when I was a kid. Yeah, but yeah, that was uh, that was right at the tail end of WCW. So I can't really say that surprises me. <laughs> Yeah, and see, like, one thing I know that EE does now is it's a lot more freemium-based. 
to buy things and this and that. Like, I'm not down for that. Uh, I know at one point, like in England, they tried to ban freemium games. You know, it's free, but then you got to pay for all this crap. And these kids just on, on mom and dad's phone or whatever, because everyone attaches Apple Pay now, you know, raking up bills for these freemium games. And then parents are like, yo, what is this charge? You know, so I, I would not want to see it go to EA. I'm more excited for what the future holds with 2K, to be honest with you. Because one of my favorites was WWE 2K12, actually. You know why? Really? Okay. It's the only game that has the WWE Championship Scramble match. And that match in the game is so much fun to play. Honestly, I completely forgot about that being in the older games. It is so much fun to play. It's the only one it's in. It is the funnest game ever. My buddy Eric and I used to play it. And we would do the full 20-minute match. We wouldn't do the, you know, because the intervals that they came out and stuff like that. And, and we would play. And usually one of us would be like one of the first ones in. And you would just doing everything in your power just to stay in the game. You know, but like everyone by the end, everybody's health is completely gone or it's got like very little red. So like your guys are beat. And at that point, you could chop someone to the ground and get a, you know, pin them. So like it was always a race. Like the last couple minutes was the most fierce competition in any video games I've ever played because you were doing everything in your power to get the last pin, but you're doing everything in your power to stop other people from getting pins. Yeah, you know, so it made it made the game a lot of fun, and I've multiple times have tried to get 2K to put it back in the game. You know, tweeting at them, reaching out to uh, uh, who's the uh, what's his name, AJ, who's a former WWE Tough Enough guy. He's the one who does a lot of the mo. He did a lot of the motion captures in the early games like two you know 14 and 15 and stuff like that so i'd even like reached out to him and like he would like and retweet the tweets and stuff like that but nothing ever really got noticed by 2k in that end and i I would love to see championship scramble be brought back but i really think the only way it's going to get brought back is if wwe does the match itself yeah and i was going to bring that point up too uh WB hasn't done a championship scramble since 2009. I think they only did four of them between 2008 and 2009. Uh, you know, obviously you want to have as many matches and match types in the game that you want. Yeah. I would love to see special guest referee come back. I would love to see uh Inferno match come back. Uh, you know, the only way I could see championship scramble being included in a modern day version of a WB game is if it may be in like a 2K showcase where the match has to be in the game to do that showcase. Yes. Uh, in regards to 2K and WB extending their partnership, I'm very happy about it. Uh, I think 2K really did a good job kind of coming back from 2K20. Uh, definitely exceeded my expectations. Uh, you know, we didn't hear much about what was in the game and what was going on with the game. We didn't even get a release date until early this year. So 
you know, it was the same thing with 2K20, where a lot of things were kept quiet for a bit. And we know why they were kept quiet, because they gave us an unfinished game. But, uh, yeah, EA Sports, I've played a few games from them. Uh, I'm not too familiar with their engine. Uh, but can you imagine, like, 2K just rebuilding their whole game engine since the uh, disbanding with Ukes and cutting ties? and just for everything to go to EA Sports and they, you know, would either have to take one of their current game engines or literally at the same time build one from the ground up. Yeah, and that's why we got left with 2K20 the way it was because Ukes was like, yo, we're out. <laughs> you know, they're like, peace. Um, as, as much as people didn't like 2K20, I had fun playing it. I didn't have any like major issues or like glitches like everybody else dealt with. But I mean, also, like I said, at the same time, we were given an unfinished game. Everyone's face looks the same. They all have the same nose. It is what it is. I would just like to see the championship scramble match be brought back. I thought it was the best in the game to play. It made it the most fun, especially with those final moments, you know, with the, the last minute pins and who's going to get the win. Cause it's not like you were counting how many times you pin somebody. It was whoever's got the last victory in the match. You're the one who wins. So I loved it. I loved that. But 2k, please bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, I'm going to say two names and I want you to name a better duo. If you can. Let's hear it. And those two names are Mike Tyson and Ric Flair. Uh, you know what? How about RVD and Matt Riddle <laughs> for going the way this is going? <laughs> for going the way this is going, I would absolutely say yes. I would have also accepted <laughs> Val Venus, even though as nuts as he is. So where are we going with this, folks? Wait for it. Give me a second. Hold on. <sighs> Mike Tyson is now the majority owner of Ric Flair Drip. What does this mean for Ric Flair Dripple? If you know Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson is seemingly trying to become the Walmart of marijuana. He's the majority holder now of the Ric Flair Drip name. And that means we are soon going to be seeing Ric Flair Bud, Flower, Ric Flair Edibles. Ric Flair, part of the marijuana business. Now, we've seen others get involved with this, too. JR, Jim Ross, my God, is getting in the marijuana game, too. This with Ric Flair, I find interesting, though, because Ric Flair had to, he, uh, whether he owned the Ric Flair drip, but a majority of it is now owned by Mike Tyson. There is a photo of the two of them together and Mike Tyson, you know, like doing a podcast thing. And Mike Tyson's just blatantly holding a blunt 
Ric Flair's got a peace sign with a big smile on his face. As a marijuana smoker myself, I'm hoping that Ric Flair drip is good bud. I'm hoping the edibles are good. I will be partaking in this 100%. I just find it interesting, though, because like when you get into that sort of game like that with the marijuana business, WWE's never been keen on it. And I, you know, I remember when Colorado legalized it and Raw was in Colorado and Stephanie and Hunter came out to open the show. And he was making jokes about marijuana, like, oh, you legalized it. Yeah, man, that's cool. I just want to be like, it's a state that's doing really well. It's helped with a lot of th- the taxes have helped with a lot of things. That's great. I just I don't know why there is still like a negative stigma to the marijuana game. I can understand, like, you know, I don't think WWE drug drug tests for it anymore because like Randy Orton has been very vocal about smoking marijuana on Twitter. He even referenced it on Raw a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's like, you know, there a photo of him and Snoop Dogg were together and someone had said something. And he's like, well, it's not the first time I've smoked weed with Snoop Dogg and, and things like that. Matt Riddle, we know, was a huge stoner. That's why he was seemingly let go from UFC. There's Rob Van Dam, who literally built his whole career off 420. You know, uh, let's not forget he also handed Vince McMahon uh, rolling papers at the Hall of Fame last year. Yeah, <laughs> and there's that. You know, he's got his own CBD. He's got his own rolling papers. So a lot of wrestlers are going to the marijuana business, and Ric Flair is now another one. Maybe this can get him out of some of his debt. I mean, I, I for one personally can't wait to listen to the Ric Flair podcast and hear commercials of Ric Flair marijuana. You know what I mean? Like, what's that going to sound like? Is Ric Flair going to try his own product? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> Ric Flair, are you going to get high? Ric Flair, uh... are you going to inhale? Are you going to exhale that shit? Do you like Indica? Do you like Sativa? Do you like hybrids? Ric Flair, what do you smoke? Do you smoke? I need to know this. Like, I've heard Stone Cold has smoked marijuana. Um, you know, I mean, he came from an era of sex, drugs, and rock and roll in pro wrestling. But he like had seemingly calmed down on the alcohol and have you know been more on the marijuana kick from what I have read and heard. And he's even shared stories of having heart issues while training at WrestleMania, like with Kevin Nash, where apparently the night before he went drinking and his heart was going pitter patter, which if it's anything like I experienced, he was probably having really bad heart palpitations. I would also say that we've seen Chris Jericho change uh, his diet and his body as he's not as bloated. He's got abs again something about him and a doctor telling him something. I want to say it was probably related to the consumption of alcohol because he does drink a lot or did anyway. 
Um, I have personally always viewed marijuana as more for me anyway, as like a medicine. When I smoke, I only smoke at night. It helps me sleep. So I'm always about the indica because I like to be in the couch. But back to Ric Flair, I need to know, is a man going to play these commercials during his show? What are we doing here, Rick? If I don't see a photo with you with a joint in your hand or taking a bite out of one of your edibles, I might be a little disappointed. I'm still going to try it because it's Ric Flair. Hell, look at the Godfather. The Godfather smokes like a chimney. Oh, dude. He's up in the... Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Northeast Wrestling uh, a few months ago. No joke. My seats were right in front of the Godfather's table for the meet and greet. Just this strong scent of marijuana just right there behind me. And he's trying to blame it on everyone else. It was hilarious. <laughs> so, like, when I when I met the Godfather at a showcase of Legends in Albany, I took my pen out, my vape pen, and smoked it while taking my photos with him. And just let out a big cloud after of marijuana oh, smoke. God. So... <laughs> Um, of course I say only, you know, that's like one of the only times I was like, you know, I'm smoking this while taking this photo. I normally don't do this, but fuck it. And I pulled I didn't it even out. Know you did that, honestly. Oh yeah. I pulled it <laughs> out and I hit it. So I'm excited for Ric Flair with this. Um, again, we know that there's plenty of other wrestlers in the marijuana business, Rob Van Dam, Val Venus, Jim Ross, the Godfather. So I like the route these older wrestlers are going in. I really do. So I'm, I'm really excited for this with Ric Flair. And like I said, I just, I want to know if he smokes. I want to know if he uses it or not. If he does, great. If not, great too. I'm still going to buy it if I can find it, you know. <laughs> Now, uh, I'm not too familiar with this uh, current Ric Flair venture with Ric Flair Drip. Does he have edibles already available? From what I understand, like, this is something that just happened. It is. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was brand new or if this was... uh... No, this was... um, I saw it today. I think Fightful reported it, that Mike Tyson owns a majority now of Ric Flair Drip. I see. Which is which is cool. I mean, Mike Tyson is very big on the marijuana game, which is apparently why he picked up the Ric Flair drip. Yeah. So again, I'm excited for it. Um, as long as there's an indica out there for me of Ric Flair drip, Ric Flair Kush, Ric Flair indica, whatever you want to call it, whatever it's going to be. I'd like to know what his edibles are going to be. It's probably going to be like a rope that you can swing if you catch my drift. Now, uh, <laughs> the reason I brought the ed- oh jeez, the reason I brought the edibles up. I know Ric Flair uh, has his Nature Boy bites, which are kind of like uh, I don't know if they're desserts or they're like dietary uh, kind of desserts. I think is what I last looked at them as. Okay. Uh, yeah. But uh, are those going to be the edibles now? Nature Boy Bites? <laughs> they could be. They could make a non-edible and an edible out of them. Who knows? Ooh. I've never had the Ric Flair Bites. I've never even seen them, to be honest with Not you. 
I mean, I, I, I try anything once just about. So, I mean, if it sucks, whatever, at least I know there's marijuana coming or I'll just <laughs> get high and eat it first or something. Who knows? I don't know. I, I just, all I know is Mike Tyson bought a majority of the Ric Flair drip name marijuana in Ric Flair's name is coming. That has me excited for whatever reason. Because it's Ric Flair and now he's involved with marijuana, so it's cool to me. He's nature boy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have some really cool stuff coming up for you. Uh, as you know, we've been on this kick of really creating more and more content for you. There'll be another episode Sunday maybe even Saturday with a interview with Brett Azar talking about season two of young rock on NBC. We also have the perched gaming. As you heard us talk about WWE 2k 22 today, we have the adorable one from perched gaming who will be streaming WWE 2k 22 on Twitch perched on the top rope. Mondays, and this episode comes out late. I'm sorry. It's just the nature of when WWE Raw is on. Mondays, we have the WWE Raw recap here on the podcast. Tuesdays, we have a regular show like we're doing today. Wednesday is the AEW Dynamite discussion. Thursday, we put out another show like this. And then Sundays, Saturdays, the weekend. Saturday, we usually, if it's before a pay-per-view, Saturday is the day that we do the uh, rundown, prediction, stuff like that, depending on what show it is. And then we have the interviews that we do that we always put out on Sundays. So we're trying to give you as much content as possible as things happen. Now, we know you don't want to wait to find out Thursday what happened on Raw. We know you don't want to wait until Sunday to find out what happens on AEW. That's why we're doing these things. So after the show airs, we do our reviews on them. So in case you miss it, if you don't listen to the show Monday night, you have Tuesday morning. Same with AEW Dynamite. If you don't listen to it on Wednesday, there's always Thursday. And just know that a show is coming out five days a week now we're trying to give you more content we're trying to be more personable we include you guys in on everything that we do from discussions on facebook facebook.com slash perched on the top rope there's a lot of great content on there a lot of questions that we ask and a lot of the times we use a lot of your comments on the shows there's also our twitter account perch top rope you can also find us on instagram Perched on the Top Rope podcast. It's a lot of photos, obviously, because it's Instagram, but there's a lot of memes on there. Speaking of memes and rather funny things, we have the Selena scene on our TikTok where we take the most famous, iconic moments in professional wrestling history, and we take that beautiful song by Celine Dion from Titanic, because my heart will go on. But it won't go on for the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan. If you want to watch him get humped by a dog, it's on our TikTok, perched on the top rope. 
Fans, you can listen to this podcast anywhere and everywhere podcasts are found from Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay, Red Circle, you name it, we're on it. Ladies and gentlemen, all those interviews that I talk about throughout the show, whether it's been Brett Azar, Kevin Nash, you can watch those interviews on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash perch on the top rope. Fans, there's only one thing left for me to say, and this is it. Remember, spoiler freeze, the way to be. We're out. In my lifetime, I've learned. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. (laughs) 